Guys, we are in lesson seven today. We're in a we're in a doctrinal area, so I need to I want to help you to understand the significance of it because last week's lesson, especially this week's lesson, is going to some of you are going to think like, oh man, this is so boring. I mean, come on, George, what do we got to know this for? Well, part of understanding who you are and then living out of it is understanding the significance of your salvation. And I think this is the problem that we have a lot today in our, our Christian church, especially in North America, because we don't truly understand our salvation, what that means. It's like I was reading a blog post from uh, an acquaintance of mine I met 20 years ago, 22 years ago in, in, in Africa, and He's a missiologist, and he was writing. He's in. He's doing some teaching in Russia, and he he said he found it very significant that when you talk to Russian Christians about the day they became a Christian, they always refer to it as the day they repented. Russian Christians refer to the day that they received salvation as the day they repented. And when you talk to uh, Americans, we have a different concept. It was the day that we quote believed, or the day we we accepted Jesus as our Savior. Repentance is not a part of our life because we don't really want to give up our old life. You understand what I'm saying? And when you look at what we're talking about here, there is a sense in which we truly don't understand our salvation and we don't understand the significance of it because, you know, it's 2,000 years later, we just assume things. But you've got to take yourself back with me all the way back to the time of the Apostle Paul and realize that you being a part of the church was scandalous. You, as a Gentile, being saved and being a part of the church was a scandal. It wasn't something that was like totally accepted. In fact, if you understand that, that will help you to re understand several passages in the Old Test in, in the New Testament of some of the struggles the early church had because the Jewish Christians just couldn't understand how we could let you guys come in and you didn't have to keep the law. You didn't have to be circumcised. You didn't have to keep the, the Sabbaths and the moons and, and all of these different Old Testament law things because in their mind to become a Christian meant you had to become Jewish. And so the Apostle Paul comes along and he says, no, 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 you don't understand. That out of the two, Jew and Gentile, God created something completely different, something new. And so he's going to talk today further about that. We talked about that last week. Now you say, now what does that got to do with me today, George? Well, you've got to understand something. If it wasn't for Jesus and his salvation and the free gift of grace... You and I wouldn't have a chance. There is no hope. There's no salvation. There's no, if you're being good, you're okay type thing. You were excluded from the promises of the Old Testament. Now, we like to claim the promises. But I'm going to be honest with you. Without Jesus, the promises mean nothing to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, he's going to go one step further... And he's going to talk about the mystery. Now, 
what's the mystery? Now, we, we like mysteries. Like, it's not like a criminal thing or, you know, like or, or coup parole trying to figure it out or, or, you know, or the Pink Panther type mysteries, you know. I mean, we're not talking about those kind of mysteries. We're talking about something that was hidden, that was revealed through the person of Jesus. But so you guys got to, you and I, not just you guys, I have to understand, I got to grasp the reality that without Jesus, I'm nothing. And if it was up to a bunch of folks back in Paul's day, I wouldn't even be a part of it. So I want you to notice what Paul says. So we'll get right into it. You'll see it. Look with me. Verse 1. This is where we're going to look at. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13 today about the mystery. But I want you to look at what Paul's writing here. He says, verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. This is his introduction as he begins to discuss the mystery. Here's what he's saying. Number one, Paul points them to what he has already written. When he uses that phrase, for this reason, he's, he's referring back to what he already talked about. Now, what did he already talk about? The fact that God took Jews and Gentiles and made them one into something new, the church, a Christian, a follower of Christ. So he points them to what he's already written. So he's going to talk, a, a, he's going to expand upon it a little bit more about that God took Jews and Gentiles who would, did not like each other. And let's stop for a moment. Do Jews and Gentiles like each other today? No. It's almost, I mean, it's almost like an inbred animosity. I mean, every once in a while. Somebody was telling me the other day, we were talking to a little guy, and the little guy said, oh, I just hate Jews. When have you met one? Do you know what I mean? I mean, where did that come from? I think it's like inbred. It's like this animosity that's there. And Paul says that God, Jesus, is the one who broke down the barrier, and he took the two and made them one, which are followers of Jesus. Now, he's saying, for this reason, so he's going to expand it a little bit further, he goes on and he says, he refers to himself as a prisoner of Christ for their sake. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, for this reason, because Jesus took the two that were at odds with each other, made them one in himself, followers of Jesus, Gentiles and Jews together, he said, for this reason, I'm in prison for you. Let me explain something to you. When you read the New Testament, did the Apostle Paul have a pretty easy time? You think of how many times he was stoned, how many times he was flogged, how many times he was shipwrecked, how many times he was left for dead. He's saying, you know, for this reason. Now, here's the, most scholars believe that if he had just simply preached Jesus to the Jews, everything would have been okay. Because a lot of times when you in the book of Acts, you'll read that when he first started preaching in the synagogues, they were accepting of what he said, ex until the moment he started reaching out to who? Gentiles. So the Apostle Paul is saying... For this reason, because of what Jesus did in including us into the mix, I'm a prisoner. I'm suffering for your sake. 
You say, are, are you sure about that? Listen, let me remind you of something, okay? Let me remind you. He's, he's in prison for his imprisonment. All you have to do is go back to the last chapters of the book of Acts, and you'll read why they arrested him in Jerusalem. It was because of the brethren, that is, because of the Jewish belief, Jew, Jews from Asia Minor who were upset with the message that he was bringing, and they were accusing him of even things like bringing a Gentile into the temple. It was because of him being an apostle to us that he was suffering. Because it's not a popular message, folks. Do you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't a popular thing back then. Oh, it's popular now, but it wasn't back then. So look at verses 2 through 6. He's going to talk about what the mystery is, okay? He's going to talk about the mystery. What is the mystery? Look here. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. All right, let's talk about the mystery. First of all, he says, verse 3, excuse me, verse 2, that you have indeed heard of the dispensation of, of the grace of God which was given to me for you. So here's what he's saying. Dispensation, first of all, means stewardship or administration. Stewardship or administration. Dispensation means stewardship or administration. So here's what he's saying. Paul tells them that the stewardship of God's grace was given to him as an apostle. Let me just stop for a moment. The stewardship of God's grace is actually given not just to him, but can I be honest with you, it's given to every one of you. You have been given a responsibility of God's grace in this world. Now, does anybody understand what I mean by God's grace? We're talking about the issue of salvation. You and I have been given the administration or the stewardship of proclaiming the message of what? Salvation, the gospel. Okay? The message of grace. And so Paul's saying that specifically this grace, this message was given to him for who? For who? Yeah, for not in particular for them, the writer, Ephesians, because he says for you, the Ephesians. Now that's significant. He's saying that it was given to him to go specifically to the Gentiles. This is why a lot of other people question his apostleship. Because if he had just gone to Jews, it would have been okay. But he was specifically given the task to bring the message to Gentiles. Us, do you know where our stewardship is? Kermansville, Clearfield. That's where our stewardship is. Hey, think about it. Do you know who's responsible for this county? as far as the gospel getting out? It isn't Rick Warren. It isn't Billy Graham. It isn't some TV preacher. 
It's you. That administration has been given to you. Do you understand? Do you understand? So this is what he's saying about his... Now, now he's going to talk about the revelation of the mystery now. First of all, he says that God revealed, revealed to Paul a mystery. God revealed to Paul a mystery. So he's going to say that God revealed to him a mystery. This is what was motivating him. This is what was driving him. That God revealed to him a mystery. He goes on in verse 4 and he says, this is something that he's already written the Ephesians about. He's already talked to the, to the Ephesians about this mystery. So the Ephesians would understand that Paul had a knowledge of the mystery. Look what verse 4 By which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Right before that, verse 3, as I have briefly written already. So he's already talked to them about this mystery. So they have an understanding that Paul has an understanding of this. Now who, who this mystery was revealed to, look at verse 5, he says who it first of all was not revealed to, it was hidden from the Old Testament prophets. So from everyone, from Abraham on, there was not a revelation of this mystery. No one understood this. If you had said to those guys back then, Oh, you know, this is what it means. The Gentiles are going to become a part of They'd be like, what? You've got to be kidding me. They wouldn't grasp that. They didn't see it. It was hidden from them. And, and it's only now being revealed. How's it being? It's revealed now through the Holy Spirit. See, can I be honest with you? This is why the nation Israel is not turning to Jesus right now. He's a stumbling block to them. First of all, they have, a, they have a hard time grasping that their Messiah would die on a cross. But there's another point. They got a hard time grasping this issue of the Gentiles being brought in. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the issue that's going on here. And it's now being revealed to you and I, to believers, through the Holy Spirit. So then here's what the mystery is. Look at verse 6. The mystery is verse 6. This is why you and I need to grasp this. This is significant. Look at verse 6. It says this. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Here's what he's saying. Gentile believers are now joint heirs with Jewish believers. Gentile believers are now joint heirs with Jewish believers. This is what God revealed, that the Gentiles... Now, folks, who's the Gentiles? You are. This is the mystery that was, that was hidden from the Old Testament prophets that is being revealed, that was revealed to Paul, is that, that the Gentiles would have a part, they too would be co-heirs through Jesus. The inheritance that you have is because of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not because of who you are. Because if you look at who you are, you have nothing Nothing. Nothing. 
So he goes on and he says one other aspect of the mystery here is that both are members of the body of Christ. Both are members of the body of Christ. Of the same body, he says there. So we're all part of one body of, of believers. And here's the thing. Both have a share in the promise. Both have a share in the promise. Now let me remind you what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 said. That at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. So now, that's what we used to be like, but because of this mystery about what God wanted to do, that's no longer true. We are what? No longer strangers to the promise. We are heirs to the promise. The promises belong to us. Isn't that awesome? So what does that mean? That means in heaven, there isn't going to be some sort of caste system. There isn't going to be segregation in heaven. You understand what I mean? Like, so there's, there's a place for Jewish believers over here, and then there's us red-headed stepchildren who kind of got included in later on over here. Did you know what I mean? He's saying that we now are co-heirs, and what? We're all part of the same body, and what? We're, we're, the promises belong to all of us. Through Jesus. Isn't that awesome? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, grasp the reality of your salvation because if you think about it, if you look at who you are, you didn't have a chance. Now, here's the thing. This, can I be honest with you? It smacks at the heart of how we base our self-image on. A lot of us look at our upbringing. A lot of us look at where we came from. A lot of us look at what we've achieved. A lot of us look at all these different things and we find significance in who we are even some people find the significance in what church they go to in town. And they think they're significant, and they even will put themselves above other people because of that stuff. But the reality is, and I'm going to be honest with you, if you were a Gentile, without Jesus, you were nowhere. You had nothing. I don't care how good you were or how great a status you had or whatever. The reality is, is that without Jesus, we had no hope. Without Jesus, we only had hell. That's just the reality. Without Jesus, you only have hell. So then notice the ministry of the mystery. This is where he's going to talk about himself here. Look at verses 7 through 12. <laughs> of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus, through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold witness of God might be made known by the church to the principalities, powers, and heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Alright, let's take a look here. There's three things we're going to point out from this passage. First of all, verse 7 and 8, 
He became a minister because of God's grace. Because of this mystery, because of what Jesus has done and, and bringing the two together and, and, and giving us hope and giving us an inheritance and giving us, making us a part of the body, Paul became a minister because of that. He became a minister. Now let me just stop for a moment. When I speak of minister, immediately you think of some guy like me, a preacher. That's really not what he's talking about here. The word can actually be translated servant. He became a servant because of God's grace. It's not just a position. In fact, I would, I would almost downplay the position thing because we're into position things in our Gentile world. Do you understand what I'm saying? The issue is, is he became a servant because of God's grace. It so gripped him what Jesus was doing and what Jesus had done through salvation. It so gripped him that he wanted to serve the very same Jesus who was showing grace. Do you understand? Now here's how I know that it doesn't grip us about our salvation. Because all we have to do is look at ourselves and see what motivates us as far as doing any kind of service for the Lord. If anything, we don't do service for the Lord out of the motivation of the grace shown to us. A lot of times we do service for the Lord based upon what we get back from it. Accolades, attaboys, slaps on the back, recognition. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's saying here his motivation is the grace of the Lord. What is that? The sacrifice, the gospel of Jesus. This is why I'm saying we don't grasp it, because if we truly grasp it, our whole motivation would change for why we're doing what we're doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our whole motivation would change. We'd be motivated. It's not talking about you becoming a pastor or something. He's talking about you being a servant because of his grace. So he goes on then and says, he was to reveal the mystery of God's grace to the Gentiles. He was to reveal the mystery of God's grace to the Gentiles. You know, this is the thing that I think we've gotten so far off the path with as a church. And I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the church in general in North America. Because here's the thing. The perception of people out in the street is they've got to clean up their act before they can come in here. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The perception out in the street is that people got to clean up their act before they can come to Jesus. Can I explain to you, the only people, person who cleans up anybody's act is Jesus. So where did they get this perception out there? Anybody got an answer? What's that? From us. He said, from us, man. That's right. From us. Think about what we're communicating. That's not the stewardship of grace. I want you to notice the key words here that Paul used. Look at him right in that verse because it's, it's really interesting because this is so far from where we are today. Look at where he said, To me, who am 
least, less than the least of all the saints. This is how he viewed himself. He viewed himself as less than the least of all the saints. So I want you to think about it in your mind. If you think about, if we could categorize Christians that you know as far as where they're at on a sliding scale, I want you to think about whoever you think is at the bottom of the scale, and then here's what the Apostle Paul says. He's even below that. And in our mind, wait a minute now, the Apostle wrote most of the New Testament influence. He's at the top. No, no, he's saying he's at the bottom. This is how he views himself. Grace was given to him who didn't deserve it. This is the problem with us. We, dis- we think we deserve it. You, do you understand what I'm saying? We think we deserve salvation. This is why we're not motivated to share with anyone, because we think we deserve it. We look at other people and say, well, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. They're off into drugs, or they're off into multiple relationships, and they're off into this, and they're off into that, and, you know, they're on the system, and look at what they're driving, and look at what their background is, and blah, 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 blah. And, and we, we, we judge people, and we can't do that. The apostle, do you understand, why am I making this point? Because to the Jews, they would be like, man, what are you doing? What are you doing hanging out with them? They deserve to go to hell. That's what he would have been told. Guess who we're acting like, folks? Those Jewish believers in that day, isn't it? You know? Those Jewish believers. He was to reveal the mystery of God's grace to the Gentiles. You know what? Same thing, folks. We're to reveal the same mystery. The people who, quote, don't think they deserve to be here. We have no hope. He goes on and says the purpose of the ministry. Here's the purpose. The purpose was that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. The purpose was that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Here's what he's saying. God shows himself wise by extending grace to the less than. You may want to write that down. God shows himself wise by extending grace to the less than. You know, the Bible says clearly over and over and over that his wisdom is far greater than our foolishness. Now, you think about the wisdom of our culture. Who do we pick to represent the best of our culture? Who do we pick? Smart? Yeah, the best of the best. You know, we look at where they went to school. You say, are you sure about that? Just the next presidential election... Look at what they say about where somebody went to school, like that's a big deal. But our culture thinks it is. We look at athletic ability, we look at looks. Did you see what I'm saying? So God shows himself wise above our foolishness by choosing the insignificant. And the insignificant, especially in that day, was Gentiles, because Gentiles were headed to where, folks? Hell. Gentiles were headed to hell, and so he chose his manifold wisdom in showing grace to us. So then look at verse 13. He's going to give us 
an injunction. He's going to give us a promise here. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for for you, which is your glory. Here's what he's doing. Paul encourages them not to lose hope. Not to lose hope, especially in spite of what he's enduring for them. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose hope. The gospel is going to go forth. The gospel is going to go forth. Now, next week we're going to end this doctrinal section. So we're going to get halfway through next week. Halfway through the six chapters. And we're going to look at his second prayer. His second prayer. And then we're going to get into the application. How do we apply all this that we live that we've heard. So let me just remind you, folks, if there's anything you could take with you today, is that you and I need to what? Really consider the gospel and what it means to us and what it means to not have the gospel in our lives. You understand? Next week we'll talk about the prayer. Let's let's pray as we get ready.